Well, good morning. Man, it's always a blessing to be in the house of God, isn't it? To be able to worship his beautiful name and honor him with everything he does in our lives. So we thank you again for the opportunity to come and to be part of your community today. We thank you for your support. You guys know that you guys have been blessing us the last few years as we've been working there to be able to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ amongst the many secularized this thing. Without your support, without your monthly giving, we wouldn't be able to accomplish what God has called us to do. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for that. It excites us every month when we get a, 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 a letter from the, our headquarters that shows the, everybody who supports us. It excites us to know that there's people here in this city that are believing and trusting that God has a purpose for them here, but also God has a purpose for the world around. And he wants to gossip when he's spread through all, all the world and for all to hear that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So we thank you. Thank you so much. Again, my name is Jose. This is my beautiful wife, Ashley. We've been working in Spain the last three and a half years, just ministering to the many secularized there and just sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have three more members of our team. One of them is with the kids program. The other one's with grandpa and grandma, and the other one's sitting here. We have a uh, 10-year-old, Isaac, an 8-year-old, Olivia, and we have a 5-year-old, a little Spanish girl, Alicia. Uh, she was three months old when we landed in Spain. So for the first three and a half years of her life, all she knew was Spain. And the only connection she had to the United States was through FaceTime. I always say Facebook, but FaceTime and Facebook, whatever. She, the, only, the only connection she had was through that. And uh, so when we landed back for itineration, we went and we were going to pick up some supplies. So I was going to take a trip to Walmart. And I said, Alicia, would you like to go with me to Walmart? And she looks at me and says, Daddy, what's, what's Walmart? And so for the first time in her life, she got to discover what Walmart was, what Costco, what Target, she loves Target, what all these other stores were. And uh, sometimes she asks, we're going back to Spain, she asks, is there a Walmart there? Is there a Target there? And I have to tell her, sadly, no, there's no Walmart or Target. But uh, she'll still have to sacrifice those, 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 those stores for, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> but uh, we're excited about what God's going to do. Uh, and he's been blessing us the last three and a half years in a city called Granada. And that's going to share a little bit of what God done, has been doing through us. Good morning. It's so good to be here with you all today. Um, I actually took my very first mission trip overseas to El Salvador with Castillo del Rey, Castle King's Castle. So I encourage you all to um, get involved with that, and I'm sure you have a great experience, and God will not only minister through you, but he'll minister to you as well, and you'll come back um, blessed because of it. So, um, but anyways, like he said, we have been in Granada, Spain for the last three and a half years, and we had um, an opportunity to be a part of a church planting team there. Uh, there are only around 1% uh, evangelical people in Spain, uh, as far as the Spanish people go, and the vast majority do not know the truth of the gospel. They, um, there is... Some people who, of course, they've heard of the name of Jesus, and the vast majority, even if they claim Catholicism as their religion, they still are not living that out. Uh, most of them have become very secularized, where they don't want anything to do with God at all. They, it does, has no impact on their day-to-day -day living. Um, if Sometimes they're counted as practicing if they go to church that once or twice a year, you know, Christmas and Easter, they're practicing Catholic. But um, the majority that we encountered um, did not care about Jesus, did not care about who God was in their lives. And a lot of them, if it's not Catholic, they just think another form of Christianity is a cult. So with a, since we're not Catholic, they just thought we were, I mean, they didn't think necessarily specifically us. They just, we've had heard that they think of the evangelical, evangelical church as a cult. So it's generally, they're not interested if you're just like, hey, you want to come and check out my church? They're not like, 
uh, <laughs> they're not so um, sure about that initially. But so a lot of what we do is building relationships with people, sharing the truth of who Jesus is, sharing our story, and building community and being a blessing to our community. And um, we did that. We had, there was a culture center that was already established there, reaching out to university students. Um, we were part of a church planting team, and we didn't want it to be only university church. So we came alongside and started a family side to this ministry. Basically, we were reaching out to the different, all kind of all age groups except, you know, I mean, we helped with university some, but we were kind of focusing on the other age groups that weren't yet being reached out to. So we had uh, one of our big events was for children each month. We had a big story time event. A lot of people are interested in practicing their English. So we'd have a story in English and songs and games and crafts and snacks. And, but it wouldn't just bring in kids. Parents would come along and be a part of it, sometimes even grandparents. So we had an opportunity to build relationships with families and sometimes whole families and really get to become part of their community and build those relationships where outside of that we could continue those relationships and then also invite them to come and check out the church as well. And sh as we are sharing um, how Jesus has transformed our lives and how we believe he can also transform and impact their lives. Because so many of them don't realize that Jesus is much more than just an institution or he is much more than a man on a cross in this pretty building or pretty church. But he is Jesus Christ, risen Lord and Savior. And there is hope and freedom for them. There is peace. So many of them, they're searching for peace. They're longing, they're desiring, they're trying different things. They're looking to Eastern religions. They're looking to mindfulness. You know, they're looking to all these things that will not satisfy. Only Jesus offers that peace that passes all understanding, that guards our hearts, that guards our minds, that we can live a life of freedom, not only here and the here now, but for eternity. And we want them to come to that reality. And uh, we are so thankful for you partnering alongside of us to help make that a reality, help make them, uh, make Jesus known who he truly can be. Like I said, um, I don't, I don't, like I said last service, most of them, one of the big things that's different, I know a lot of times what we think like, well, America's becoming quite secularized too, which is obviously true, but most non-believers still know somebody who is following Jesus here, but they're, people don't know a follower of Jesus Christ. Like there's so few people who are following Jesus that they don't even know a true believer of Jesus at all. So that is part of why we are there so that they can know somebody who knows Jesus and wants to make him known. And um, I was just thinking about, because he is worthy. You know, that's why all of us missionaries, that's why all of us go and do what he's called us to do because our God is worthy of the praise of all people, every tribe, nation, and tongue. It's not just because um, we have a, a great, mission or we have a great cause but it is because he is worthy our God is worthy and he deserves the praise he deserves that every knee would bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and because of that we want to make him known and among uh, where he has called us and where he's called you as well so this next term we're actually heading to a new city it's about an hour and a half south and it's called Malaga it's a bigger city around 650,000 people in the actual city and it's a very international city. A lot of people have come there from other countries to work, expats. And it's also a coastal city on the south where it's close to Africa. So you have a lot of immigrants coming in. And we, have, we really want to take that opportunity to reach out to the different people groups that have come to call this city their home and help spread the news of Jesus among um, all of them. Or, you know, all, the, all of them that Jesus brings our way. Obviously, we're not going to 
get to talk to 650,000 people in a day, but the, every person the Lord brings across our path, we want to be um, a witness and a light. And I pray that, I think that's true for all of us, that God would use each and every one of us every day, that whoever he brings along our path, that we'd be a light, that we'd be pointing them to Jesus, that we would be living out who he's called us to be. And so we're heading to Malaga. We're going to be part of an international church planting team there, uh, starting a new church there. There's not yet an Assemblies of God missions team working there in that city to reach out to the city. And so there's very little gospel witness there. And um, we want to uh, change that. So we are also uh, part of our vision because we have seen that most people aren't interested in just coming check out the church initially. We want to set up a cultural coffee house where we can, uh, we want to call it El Puente, the bridge, because we want to bridge people first and foremost to Jesus Christ, but also to the body of Christ. It's so important that people do become a part of a community of faith, that they can be discipled, that they can grow, that they can learn to share their faith and spread the gospel even farther and beyond what we could ever do on our own. And um, we do speak Spanish, but a Spanish person telling the truth of what Jesus has done in their lives is going to have even a greater impact. And we are um, thankful for all that God has done in our time in Granada and what he's going to do in Malaga. And we're thankful for the part that you guys have played in that. Amen. Amen. And we're excited about this new uh, journey that God has in store for us. We're excited about what he has called us to do. Uh, we had a question in the first service ask, uh, so what happened to the work in Granada? Uh, we didn't leave it by itself. We didn't just abandon it and say, okay, God, send us somewhere else. Now let it fall apart. No, uh, we actually, there was a team, there was a couple, couple that came in and actually took over that ministry. And then we were excited to say, hey, God liberated us and said we can go. And was able to bring somebody to take over that ministry to see it continue to flourish. And so we're excited what God's going to do in Malaga. A city of 650,000 people with little to no evangelical presence. People look at this and they think to themselves, my goodness, this is a place that seems to be impossible to really see impact in. But we serve a God who could take an impossible situation and bring it to possibilities. Isn't that right? He may see, we, people may look at it with a negative, with a different perspective, but I want to look at it the way God looks at it. It's his people. It's his, it's his, it's his mission. It's his goal. And we just standing in the gap saying, God, do what you will and let your will be done in our ministry as we go out there and do it. That's our goal. That's our prayer to always keep God in the center of what we're doing because it stands the test of time. If it's based upon my abilities and Ash's abilities, it's going to be limited. But if it's just based upon what God can do, it's limitless. And so, and they will stand that taste of time. So that's what we ask you to pray with us about. Pray that we may stay focused and centered on his will to be done. Pray that we may have unified spirit amongst us and the team. We're not going by ourselves. One thing we learned as missionaries or as Assemblies of God missions has learned, it's not really healthy to send one family by himself to one location on their own. So now they have established teams and say, we want you to go to the team somewhere. And so there'll be another three couples joining us along this journey. So we're not on our own, but we're all going to work together for the same goal, to share the gospel and to be there as a team. So pray that God unifies us. One team, one, one couple's from Wisconsin, the other one's from Michigan, the other from Alabama, we're from California. Bunch of differences. But uh, God, is the, God is, the, is, the, is the anchor point for all of us. And so uh, pray with us that be unified. Pray also that God may open door of opportunity for us to connect with city officials, connect with, with city, city people in Malaga, connect with schools and different types of, of events that so we can start uh, really penetrating and being part of the community and loving on the community and just truly impacting the community in a refreshing way. That God opens our door of opportunity for us to find a location to set up a coffee house and expedite the business license and all those things that need to be expedited. Um, just pray that God just works in his real refreshing way. 
and that the lives of people of Spain may truly come to know him as Lord and Savior. About a year and a half, a year or well, a little bit less, as we were getting ready to itinerate, I was, we were back in Spain, and we were praying in our prayer closet and asking God, God, give us a word that would encourage the church back home. And during that season, I was going through a book study on the Gospel of Mark. How many love reading the Gospels? Man, I love reading the Gospels. I love reading the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. I love going through it and just seeing how Jesus treated people, how Jesus handled conflict, how Jesus handful, handled annoying people as well as, as, well as non-annoying people, how he handled people who were suffering. And I love it how Jesus never saw someone as an interruption to his ministry, but saw everyone as an opportunity to show what God was all about. Read it. No one was ever an interruption to Jesus. When the, when the Sadducees and the Pharisees were asking questions to try to discredit him, he could have sat there and just, just shut up and get out of here. But instead, he answered them in a godly manner and revealed to them who God was and what God really wanted for them. No one was an interruption. When the lady who was hemorrhaging, when she reached out and touched his garment, she was healed. Remember, Jesus was on his way to the city to go to Jairus' house. Jesus could have kept walking. He could have said, okay, she's done. I, I don't have to deal with her now. He could have kept walking but because he, he was going somewhere. But he stopped, turned around, loved on her, and showed her compassion to restore her back to her community. Amen. When the blind man on the side of the road was yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus could, everybody told him to be quiet, sit down, leave the rabbi alone. He's going somewhere. But Jesus heard his outcry, stops, and runks, walks over to him and loves on him and restores him to community. Jesus never saw someone as an interruption, but saw everyone as an opportunity to share what God was all about. I pray that happens in our Christian walks with him, that no one ever is an interruption to our lives, but everyone is an opportunity. Even the most annoying person, I always ask this question, how many know annoying people? How many are sitting to him right now? No, just kidding. <laughs> no one, one conflict in the church. But we know annoying people. We know people who frustrate us. We know the individuals who keep stumbling into sin. They show you, teach them, you show them, reveal to them what God can do in them, and then they continue to fall into the same trap over and over again. It's annoying sometimes to us. But God has a purpose and plan still for them. It's our goal to stand in the gap, to continue to pray for them, to continue to encourage them, continue to walk with them. Remember, Jesus had a man named Judas walking in his ministry who was eventually Jews going to betray him. But yet Jesus still loved him, still encouraged him, still provided words of insight to him, still revealed to him what the Father was all about, still taught him because he still knew that there was still a purpose and plan. There could have still been a purpose and plan. God would have had a different direction if Judas wouldn't have decided to do what he did. But God loves all people and wants to bring them all to, back to his fold. There's one story that really spoke to me. It was found in Mark chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 5. We're going to kind of camp out there today and stay on that portion. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. It's a story about a man who's not part of Jesus' culture, not part of Jesus' community, not part of really associated with Jesus' even belief system. He was a man who was a Gentile living on the other, sea of the other side of the Sea of Galilee. A man who, who lost his way, lost his path, lost his identity, lost his hope, lost everything he knew in life, was living in a state of chaos and lost all that he had. But when he had an encounter with Jesus, it re, refocused his life and re put him back on the right path. I'm going to ask you to read Mark chapter, one, verses, chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. Yeah, starting at verse 1 of chapter 5. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. 
This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of them. him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about two thousand in number, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell it in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Amen. I love this story. This story is a story of freedom, redemption, restoration, healing, clothing, all done at the hand of Jesus. A story of love and compassion, a story that represents a lot of us. You may say, wait a minute. If we could think about it, this man was living a life that was going down a path that was separating him from everything he knew. But when he had a candle with Jesus, it restored him back to life. Yeah. Many of us, we were heading down prior to Jesus, probably a path that was leading us down a path of death and damnation. But when you had a encounter with Jesus, it changed who you were and it changed your identity. Yeah. See, this man lost his way. Scripture doesn't give us a background story of how this man got to this point. We're never given how he got here. But we can all make the assumption of some of the things that he may have chosen in life that separated him first and foremost from God, separated from his family, separated from his friends, separated from his community, separated from everything he knew that the only place he could dwell was a place where hopelessness lived, dwells. A tomb. Who lives in tombs? No one. Dead things live in tombs. So he was at a place of total hopelessness. But yet he forgot who, because he forgot who he was created after. Think about it. God created this man. He loved him still, and he still had a purpose and plan for him. He just forgot who he was created after. See, when God, one thing we do is we travel around. We travel. Ashley's from West Virginia. I'm from California. We go visit her homeland, and it's a bunch of green. We visit my homeland, and it's brown, all up in the hills. But we love traveling. We love going and sitting down at the ocean and seeing the ocean. I love going to West Virginia and driving through the, 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 the rolling mountains. My mountain mama here. And I like seeing all that thing happen. Listening to the John Denver songs. <laughs> her dad, her dad's cell phone, when it rings, it's Country Road. Uh, it's like the national anthem of, of, of uh, uh, the state anthem of West Virginia. But I love visiting these things and seeing the beauty of nature. But nature was spoken into existence. 
God just said, let there be trees, trees showed up. Let there be animals, animals showed up. Let there be land, land divided waters. He didn't just spoke it all into existence. But when he, didn't, when he created man, he took a different approach. He didn't say, let there be man. And all of a sudden, boom, a bunch of people showed up. But instead, he took us and he designed us and molded us to be a reflection of his image. He molded us to reflect him. But not only did he mold us to reflect him, he breathed his, breath, his spirit in us. Then he breathed his spirit into us. That means that every person in this world who's created in the image of God, they just forgot who they created after. Yeah. It's our goal as Christians to go out there and remind them that the Creator loves them. And the Creator loves to be in relation with them. And the Creator continuously wants to give them life and wants to breathe His Spirit in them. And so we constantly have to be reminded of that. This man forgot his way. He forgot who he was created after. And when he had an encounter with Jesus, it changed him for the best. It changed him, and it changed his community because of what God had done in him and what God can do through, what God was going to do through him. And so the scripture says, as, as this story unfolded, there was these men sitting on the hill seeing it all happen. They probably saw the man running down the cliff to go towards Jesus. They probably thought Jesus was going to get knocked out and beat up because this man was crazy. They knew him. They see this unfold. All of a sudden, they see the pigs running into the water and drowning into the Sea of Galilee. And these herdsmen are there looking at this unfold. And I can imagine as they're looking at this thing unfold and the pigs dying, in their minds they're thinking to themselves, what just happened? Because they were financially responsible for the pigs. Because they were the herdsmen watching after the pigs. So what do they do? They run towards, they dash towards town to tell the whole townspeople who is responsible for these, for these pigs' deaths. Jesus. And so when the townspeople get there, they find in Scripture, the townspeople get there. And when they get there in 519, it says they get there, they find a man, 516, I'm sorry. They find 515, they find a man who's sitting there, clothed in his right mind. As I sit there and I think about this portion of scripture, I thought to myself, I know where the man got his right mind from, but where did the clothes come from? It wasn't like Jesus sent his disciples into town to go buy clothes. I don't think Jesus was, was doing it, but I think something unfolded between the townspeople getting there and, this, and the, seeing this man sitting there, clothed in his right mind. And I think what unfolded during that time is something called discipleship. Yeah. Discipleship. Jesus never took an opportunity. Jesus never, remember that. Think about it. Throughout scripture, Jesus never took, missed an opportunity to teach somebody what God was all about. He never missed an opportunity to disciple and teach somebody the love of God, the, what God can do in them. And I can imagine through this man's life, God, Jesus took this opportunity to minister to this man and to encourage him on his journey. This is what I pictured when I was reading this. This man is sitting there on his knees probably crying, because, but cries of joy and contentment because he's been liberated. He's been set free from the addictions and the struggles he was dealing with for life. Amen. And I can imagine Jesus looking at this man, reaching out his hand and picking him up. And not too long, not too far from him was a river or a lake. And Jesus walking him over to that lake and washing him clean, washing off those bloodstained arms because yeah. he would cut himself with stones, washing off the filthy dirt because he would sleep in the tombs, washing all of things off of him. And all along the way, Jesus encouraged him. God loves you. God has a purpose. God has a plan for your life. I can see Jesus as he's there washing him clean, calling over to the disciples, saying, disciples, do we have any clothes on our boat? Or Jesus himself taking a portion of his garment and handed it to this man. What I believe this is what probably could have occurred, because this, Jesus, this is what Jesus calls us to do. He tells us to go out and make disciples. Discipleship is more than just a proclamation behind a pope and preaching a message. This is a component of discipleship, but discipleship is more than that. Discipleship is walking alongside the journey with somebody and helping them to discover 
who God, what God can do in them. How they can overcome the temptations that they deal with. How they can overcome the struggles that they face. And helping them along the journey to discover God in their lives more and more. That's discipleship. And I believe that's what Jesus did in this man's life. Because when the people got there, Scripture says, they didn't see a man dirty, filthy, and in the right mind. They see a man clothed and in the right mind. And fear enters their heart. They get scared because they knew something powerful happened. They knew something powerful happened. And when God works in one's person's life, that's a powerful moment. And when God works in our nation, that's a powerful moment. And there's two things that happen when somebody sees something, God's presence and God's power unfold. It brings people, place, it brings a person to two, either two places, a place of repentance or a place of rejection and running away from as fast as they can. Think about our nation that does that. When God doesn't seem powerful, brings freedom and liberation, we either want to reject the idea or they run towards God with open arms saying, Lord, we want to be part of that. And so this, just, this community here looked at what Jesus did and they got afraid. And their, and their response towards Jesus was totally different than when we would probably anticipate it happened. Yeah, the people arrive, and I kind of think they probably knew who this guy was. You know, that's the guy that lives in the tombs. He's the crazy man. Make sure you keep your kids away from him. You don't want him to get too close. But, and they probably realized the power that had taken place. What had happened here was a great miracle. And I kind of think, like, if I had seen Jesus' power, like, he was strong enough, he was great enough to do this in this man's life, what could he do in my life? I'm not that bad off. Maybe he could, maybe he could help me. Maybe he can do something in my life. But at this moment, that's not where they were at. That's not what they were ready for. And they uh, were not ready for the interruption of Jesus. You know, at times there is, um, Jesus kind of can interrupt our lives too. You know, in some ways this man was interrupted. His, his life was interrupted, but obviously for the good, for the freedom, the deliverance. And maybe these people thought, I'm doing okay. I can handle life without him. We all know plenty of those people. It, maybe it's been us as well, where we're okay. We got it. We got this thing. We got us together. We can, we can make it on without Jesus. We don't really, I mean, that, that's nice for them over there. That's good, but I can do it on my own. I don't, I don't need that crutch. I can, I'm stronger than that. We all know plenty of people like that. that but you know what? Jesus has made it so clear that the person that is obviously even to, uh, maybe even to the world in more of a desperate situation or even those that look like they have it all together and everyone in between we all are in need of the restoration of Jesus Christ he wants to work and redeem and bring each one to himself and I believe that even those that we know that seem so impossible on either side of that spectrum the Holy Spirit wants to work in their hearts. He wants to work in their lives. He wants to work through us to continue to, to be a blessing to them, to reach out to them, to love on them, to show them the truth and hope of Jesus, that he can bring freedom. He can bring liberation. And if, if, it's, some, um, if it's chaos or if it's comfort, because sometimes people get so comfortable and thinking they've got it all together and that then something happens and their world comes crashing down. They realize, hey, maybe I didn't have it all together <laughs> because Jesus wants to work and move and he wants to bring that freedom, that life that only he can bring, not only for this life and not only in this moment, but for eternity. 
And I'm so thankful that Jesus wants to do that in each of us, in each one of you, in each of, and each of those that we know in this surrounding area and in the world. And I'm thankful that he chooses to use us as his people to reach out to those around us, to be, we have such an awesome opportunity that God chooses to use his people. He could do it a different way. He could make it happen another way, but he chooses to use us. We get an opportunity to be a vessel, to be something that, an instrument for his glory and his kingdom and to help others come to know him. And that is an awesome um, opportunity, but it's also an awesome responsibility that we need to take hold of with all that we are and seek him and let him use us in mighty ways. Amen. And God wants to use us in mighty ways. If you look back into this, this story that we just read, the townspeople tell Jesus, leave, get away. Jesus says, okay. He gets ready to get back on the boat, and this man runs over towards Jesus and says, Jesus, take me with you. Why would he not want to go with Jesus? Jesus just healed him. He redeemed him. He reclothed him. He loved him. He restored him. Why would he not want to continue this journey with Jesus? But Jesus tells him no. You guys know that sometimes our no from God leads us to a greater blessing from God. He may tell you no for a season because he has something greater in store for you. So he tells this man, no, you can't come with me. But then he tells him what? He gives him commissions to do something different. He says, go home. Go home. Go home to your friends. Go home to your parents. Go home to your neighbors. Go home to everyone that just rejected me. And tell them how much the Lord has done in you. He went home. And he showed what God had done in him. Now these people that just rejected Jesus saying, Jesus, get out of here. We don't want you. We don't want to deal with this, this change that you're requiring us to have. We don't want that. We're going to have someone who is going to be a walking billboard of what God can do in one's life when they give it up, when they submit themselves to him. So this man went home. I imagine he went home to his family and told his family what God had done in him. He went home to his friends and told all his friends what God did with him. He went home Tari, to his old classmates and told his classmates what God did with him. He went throughout his city, his town there, and told everyone in the town who would listen what God had did in him. But he didn't stop at his town. He went to the next town next door and told that town as well. He went to the ten cities of his region and told everyone in those region who would listen what God had done in him, how much mercy and grace God showed him. We continue reading through scripture later on when Jesus returns to this place, the multitude of people started following Jesus because I believe this man went out and shared his story. Amen. What does that tell us as believers? Man, there is power to your story. Yeah. Not because of you, even though you guys are wonderful people. There's power because you equate Christ into the story. When you equate Christ into your story, that's where the power dwells. Each one of you has a story. I bet you anything, if I hand over a mic, each one of you can give me a mighty testimony of what God has been doing in you, what God did through you, what God delivered you from. That is powerful. Yeah. And that can change the world around you. Yeah. See, that's what we do in Spain. We don't go out there and just propagate. The, we don't just go out there, open up, and start preaching. We go out there, and we sit with people, and we just have coffee with them. That's one of the best things to have. You get good Spanish coffee and sit down with somebody. And we just talk about life. Every week I would sit with a guy, he would be my language or stage partner, and he would, be, he would sit together once a week and we would just talk about life. He was always my complainer, though. He loved complaining. How many of you guys know complainers like that? Just all the time. You sit with them, they're just complaining about something. This guy complained all the time. He complained about his wife. He complained about his children. He complained about his finances. He complained about his dog. He complained about everything. And I would turn around, I would complain about my wife and my children. No, just kidding. I wouldn't complain about my wife. 
Um, but I would be transparent and tell them, you know, yeah, life can be difficult. Life can be hard even for me. And I would tell them, you know, yeah, things are challenging. Life is challenging. You know, you know, I'd be a little bit more transparent with them and tell them about the challenges that I face. But then I can't disassociate myself with Christ because to be a Christian is to keep Christ in the center of your life. So I'd always have to keep Christ in my focal story, in my story with him. So I would sit there and I would tell him, yeah, I, I went through some struggles. But then I sat with the word of God. And as I sat with his word, it reminded me that I'm not by myself on this journey. I read Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It reminds me that the shepherd is with me. And all that I need is in him. And I would encourage him to know that this Jesus that he did not understand was more than the Jesus associated with the religious institution, but he's the Jesus who wants to be associated with him on an intimate level. Who wants to be in a relationship with him. This young, this man's still on a journey of discovering Christ, but he was introduced to Jesus just simply by me sharing my stories with him. There would be this one young lady who would come into our, our story time. Uh, she had a connection with the evangelical church when she did a study abroad. And so she was there and she loved what we were doing. She started to attend our church, started to come into our church, and we would sit there and we would be able to share with her about what, how God can bless her and how God pray for her and just continue to just encourage her in Christ. One day she comes to me and says, uh, what do you, you know, we have this conversation, so I ask her the question, so did you have you baptized your baby? Because that's typically what the Catholic where the Catholic background person does. She says, I don't want to baptize my baby. I, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't feel comfortable with doing that. And she said, what do you do? So I said, well, we dedicate our children. We dedicate our children to the Lord. And we pray over them. And she says, I love that. I love that. So we set up a special day for her and her, and her family to come in. And so her husband invites all her, his family. She invites all her family. So our, our cultural center was packed with people who all non-Christians probably never heard the name of Jesus Christ outside of a church, outside of the Catholic church. We had a lesbian couple. We had a bunch of, we had a bunch of, we had just people off the wall there. And, 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 and she was there. We did the baby presentation. We prayed over the child. She asked, can I speak? And she speaks for five minutes. Let me tell you what, the way which, which she shared impacted more than what we could have ever done. She just shared simply that this is her community of faith. That the Jesus that she loves, and she shared her passion, her compassion for Christ, and her desire to see her family take part of this community of faith and want to be part of what God is doing. She simply shared what God was doing in her. And it impacted her family, and it impacted her, and it allowed her to have a deeper connection to us and to the community or to our church that we were establishing there. And it's amazing to see that now she has two children, and her two children are growing up in a Christian household. And they are going to develop an understanding of Christ better, difficult, different than she did when she grew up in a Catholic household. See, that's what we're doing out there in Spain, sharing our story and just telling others to share what God is doing in you. You're going to know God has a purpose and plan for each one of you who sits here today. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. You may say to yourself, why would God use me if I have no talents or abilities? Let me tell you what, if you have him in you, he empowers you to do whatever you need to be done Amen. when you trust in his ability to work through you. God wants to use you today. He wants to use you this week. He wants to bless you and watch and use you just using your blessings and using what God has been doing in you. You may say to yourself, when was the last time God blessed me? And you're alive today breathing. You have clothes on your back. You came into a facility that had warmth. It was, it was pretty warm. You came into a, a church. 
you came into a, you opened your refrigerator this morning, and probably there was food there, and if there wasn't food there, it was just, you were blessed. You're blessed beyond our beliefs. That's some of the things we would do in Spain, too, just talk about the blessing God has done for us. I would tell my guy, I would tell the guy I would sit with, man, I'm, I, I was blessed to get home today. He said, what do you mean? Well, I didn't get hit by a bus, I didn't get hit by a car, I didn't get hit by anything. I was walking home, and I, I'm home. My kids made it home. I'm blessed. Thank God for that. God blesses us. Never take for granted the small blessings we receive from God just thinking they're life obligations. But know that they are coming straight from the kingdom of God to your life. And God loves you so much. God wants to use you this morning. He wants to bless you. You want to say anything else? <laughs> I just want to uh, reiterate a little bit that whoever you are, no matter who you are, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, it is not only the pastors or missionaries who are called to minister. God has called each and every one of you to minister. If you know Jesus, we need to be making Jesus known. And we all know life is not always good, but we serve a God who is always good. And he is always faithful. And he will see you through. He will help you through. And like I talked about, that peace that passes all understanding, you know, that can help get you through whatever circumstance, whatever situation, he will be with you and he will help you uh, continue on. If you are a mature believer, I want to encourage you to be intentional about being friends with lost people. <laughs> like if you, um, if your, your faith is steadfast and you know you're not going to slip and fall in any way, like we need to know, I mean, obviously we know lost people. We know people that are not living for Jesus, but we need to be intentional about building relationships with them and loving them. People who don't know Jesus need to know people who absolutely are in love with Jesus and are living holy lives that absolutely truly love them and love them where they're at because that's what Jesus does. He loves them even when they're not acting like Jesus because they're not, most of them aren't claiming to be acting like Jesus anyways, right? So I just encourage you just to be, um, to be a light that God's called us to be wherever he's called you. And it doesn't have to be, um, you learning to preach or become an evangelist on the side of the street, it, but whatever, but it has to be just living life in an obedient fashion, let being filled with the Holy Spirit, spending time with him and letting him, his life flow through us and relationship with others and letting um, him bring change to our lives and speaking through us, just being open. Like if Jesus is the most important thing in your life, um, why wouldn't we be talking about it? You know, like if you have kids or grandkids or something like that, it's pretty common that you're going to talk about that, right? Because it's big, it's important part of your life. And if Jesus is the most important part of your life, why wouldn't it just come up in conversation? You know, just making that just um, a natural part of who we are and letting the Holy Spirit flow through us in just that a natural, it doesn't, sometimes, yes, yeah, sometimes it can be awkward because people are uncomfortable about um, the idea of Jesus, but um, I think the Holy Spirit can help us through those times to just really speak life and um, walk in love and see lives change because it's not about what we can do, but it's about what he can do. Like we can, you know, we can think up all these great ideas, but it's going to be the Holy Spirit that does the work in their lives. It has to be. That's the only way that there's going to be real lasting change is when the Holy Spirit um, does that work and letting the Holy Spirit flow through us. I mentioned this sometimes that I just think it's so crucial. I think that the love, joy, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, um, sometimes kids will, you know, sing a song about it and you can just, um, you know, I just rattle them off. But letting those things truly be what's 
coming from our lives. You know, that we are truly people of love and joy and peace. How often is that really what's coming from our life? You know, that's not what the world is. The world is not overall loving and joyous and peaceful and patient and kind. You know, but that those things would truly be flowing from our lives. That's going to be, that's going to bring change because that is not what the world sees and what the world knows, but that is Jesus Christ. That is our God. He, that embodies him, our Father, our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is our God. And when that spirit is flowing through us, lives are going to be transformed. Amen. Amen. As we conclude today, we thank you for the opportunity to come and be part of your church today, to share what God has been doing in us. And we, we appreciate that opportunity. If I can challenge you with anything, it's going to be Mark chapter 5, verse 19. It says, go home. As you leave today, think about that. Go home to your friends. Go home to your parents. Go home to your family. And tell them how much the Lord has done in you. Tell how much God has done in you. How much mercy and grace God has shown to you. Home is differently for all of us. It may be go to your local store that you go to on a weekly basis. Your gas clerk that you connect with. If you go to McDonald's every day, some people go and get a seat of coffee there all the time. Go talk to the McDonald's person. Go to everyone you can and tell them how much God has done in you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I love it. As you look through scripture, and I share it with the first one, I'm going to share this with a little bit. As you look throughout scripture, you find that I believe this man's impact was, was so significant that he impacted even beyond his life. And he impacts even today because we're reading his story. But he impacted of the primitive church. Remember, the primitive church in Acts chapter 2, as we continue reading the scripture, Jesus dies, he raises from the, he raises from the dead. He tells the people, don't leave, not too long, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit upon you. The 120 gather, and they sit up in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit falls upon them. That day, the church grows in Jerusalem. 3,000 were added to them in Acts chapter 2, we read it. Peter gives a big old uh, proclamation, and, and, and the 3,000 are added to the church. And then the scripture says church grew exponentially. It started growing daily. New believers were coming in. And as we continue reading scripture, the, 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 the rabbis and the, and the religious leaders see this unfold and they call in Peter after he heals the man who is crippled by the road, by the, by, on the way to prayer. He heals them. They call him in, these leaders, and say, hey, you guys, stop proclaiming the gospel. Stop sharing this message. Or you're gonna, something severe is going to happen to you. So Peter and, and, and John, they walk home and they go and tell everybody what happened and, and they go and they start praying. And what do they pray for? They pray for boldness. Boldness in the spirit of God, the place that they said shook again and boldness was given to them because God knew it was about to unfold persecution amongst the church. I can believe as the early church went out, they went out with boldness and they came in contact with people who would have heard the name of Jesus because this man shared his story. Now they would have heard the rest of the story that Jesus did come to set one man free from his captive state, but he came to set the world free from the state that it was in. He seemed to set the world free from the legions of demonic forces that were against it and to sever sin and death and to restore humanity into right relationship with God. That's where they would have heard the rest of it. That's what we hear. The rest of that story. Man, that story should excite us and thrill us to know that the God of the heavens and the earth loves us. And it should push us to want to go out in boldness and share the message of Jesus Christ. You may say, you sit here today and say, I, I'm, I'm too timid. I'm too afraid to go out. I don't know what, I stumble over my words. I stumble over my words all the time. I speak too fast. These are my own problems. <laughs> but I stand and say, you know what? Each day I wake up and I say, Lord, 
May you give me boldness to walk out my door, to be a light to the world, and to shine bright for your glory. Because I cannot stand firm and just hold on to this great gift that I've been receiving. But I need to share it with the world around you. This morning, if you find yourself in a place where you've been a little timid, a little afraid to show your faith, because you love Jesus, you have a relationship with Jesus, but you're scared to go out and proclaim this message to the world around you. Man, I ask you to just this morning, if you stand just up where you're at, where you're sitting, and say, God, let's pray for boldness for ourselves. Let's pray for boldness in our lives. That God may shake us up in order to wake us up to go out unto this world and proclaim his message of love and compassion to the world around you. If we walk out our homes with boldness, man, Cameron Park, Folsom, and all the other regions will be changed because of lights of hope you are to the world around you. God wants to use you, church. God wants to use this church for his glory. What is this church called? Freedom Church. <laughs> I know what it's called. I know what it's called. It's Freedom Church. And we believe and we want to pray that God brings people through this door who will receive freedom because of God-fearing, faithful, hungry people who are here that want God's presence in, the, in, in, in their lives. Not just in the church, but in their homes, in their workplace, in their cars, wherever they go. They want God's presence with them. And they want that spirit of power within them. And I want to pray for boldness for you today, church, and believe that God has you. So if we can, let's stand one more time. And I want to pray over you as a church. Father God, we just come to you, Lord, and we say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your word, God. Thank you for your message that we get to hear. Thank you, Father, for through your word there is life and hope, God. Thank you, Jesus, for you are with us, Lord. You love us. You care for us. You desire to be in us, God. And I thank you, God, for this, each and every one of these faithful stewards, God. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you give us each boldness, Father. Boldness to go out our door, God. Boldness to stand firm for the gospel, Lord. Even if the world comes against us, may we stand in boldness, Lord. And never be afraid, Father, to proclaim your hope, your message, your grace to the world around us, God. Father, give us boldness, Lord. Wake us up each morning with boldness, Father. Live us divine appointments each week with people that we can speak life and hope into, Father. God, if we see people that we know that need liberty and freedom, but we stand in boldness to pray them free of the demonic forces that may be against them, Father. Lord, I pray for boldness in us, God, that we may not be timid or afraid, that we may stand firm in knowing that we are, we are, the, we are shepherd, we are sheep of a shepherd who loves us that protects us and provides for us, Lord. God, give this church boldness, God. Give us boldness as we go to Spain, Father. Give us boldness wherever we go, Lord. And we pray there, God, that you just bring a blessing, a great awakening, a great revival, God, a great passion, a great just multitudes that come through this door to receive freedom, God, to receive restoration, God. We pray that this church become a beacon of hope that throughout the region, Father, for those that are the most hurting, for those that are the most addicted, may come through, Lord, so they can be liberated and set free by the blood of the Lamb, God. Father, bless this church, Father. Bless the pastoral leadership, Father. Bless the board that are here, God. Continue to give them wisdom and direction for what the future holds, Lord. And God, we thank you for them, Lord. We thank you for them, Lord. And we just pray for blessings on them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.